You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. This morning we're continuing the series on prayer as we're talking about in this series, how can we connect in relationship with God? And what we discovered last week in a quick survey, just kind of like a show of hands, what we discovered last week is that we all struggle to some degree with prayer. And what we discovered is we pretty much it was unanimous. We all said we would like to like to learn how to pray better. How can we be more effective? What we discovered is we were all a little bit like the disciples who came to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to connect with our Heavenly Father. Teach us this, this, this process. And, and so what we're doing um, over about three weeks is we're just talking about prayer and, and, and hopefully discovering um, how we can pray more effectively, that we would broaden our understanding of what's prayer all about. Now, in case you were not here last Sunday, you might want to check out the podcast. But last Sunday, we talked about the purpose of prayer. This is what we said. We said, if you don't understand the purpose of prayer, either you'll neglect it, abuse it, or misuse it. It's important that we understand the purpose. The purpose of prayer is more than just uh, petitioning God. Certainly it's a means that we petition God, but the purpose of prayer is so much more. We said that that prayer is a means to connecting in relationship with God. It's a means of communion with God. We we also said that that prayer is, is a means of spiritual formation. It's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit forms us, spiritually shapes us through the discipline of prayer. We also said that that through prayer we we um, are able to partner with God in his work in our world. You know, through prayer, we discover the, the, the heart of God, the will of God, and the way of God so we can be about the work of God. Prayer also, as we defined last week, the purpose of prayer is really to, um, to help us as we're engaged in spiritual warfare. Because we do have an adversary, one who wants to wreck our lives. And we said prayer was a way that we stay alert, that we stay aware of the strategies of hell Set against us. So certainly prayer is a means of petitioning God's help. We're going to talk about that more today and, and next week. But it's so much more. It's so much more than just petitioning God. Prayer is the privilege that God's given us to relate to Him, to grow with Him, and to seek His help for our lives. But to pray effectively, we need to understand this morning that how we approach God in prayer really matters. So we're going to talk about the posture of prayer today. Well, what's clear from the teaching of Jesus is that there's a right way to approach God in prayer and there's a wrong way. How many, how many of you would think it's pretty important that we would know the right way and the wrong way? If we're going to pray effectively, it makes sense, doesn't it? So what's, what's the right way and, and what's the wrong way? And what we discover from the words of Jesus is that heart and attitude really has a direct impact on the effectiveness of our praying. So we're going to talk about the posture, the posture prayer. There's a funny story about three pastors who were, were talking about prayer in general and kind of like the most appropriate, effective positions of prayer. And as they were talking, there was a telephone repairman kind of in the background working on the phone system listening to this conversation between these three pastors as they were talking about prayer. And one pastor said, hey, the most effective way to pray, this is the only way you can pray, actually, is, you know, you really, it's all about the hands. You have your hands together, you have them pointed toward heaven. That's the most effective way, the posture of prayer. And the second pastor said, no, I would have to disagree with you. He says, it's really not about the hands, it's about kneeling. 
So if you want to be effective in prayer, you've got to get on your knees before God. And then the third pastor said, well, I would disagree with both of you. I don't think it's about the hands. I don't think it's about kneeling. He says, if you want to be effective in prayer, you really have to, like, flat on your face. You prostrate yourself before God. And at this time, the, the phone repairman couldn't stay out on the conversation. So he, he jumped in and he said, you know, I, I would disagree with, with all of you. He says, you know, I'm a phone man, you're pastors. You know, what does the phone man know? But he says, what I discovered is that the most powerful prayer I ever made while I was, was while I was dangling upside down from a telephone pole 40 feet in the air. <laughs> and we get your attention, right? I mean, you know, we can pray some pretty desperate prayers at that point when we find ourselves in a crisis and a, and a, and a point of need. But as we think about prayer, it's really not about how we hold our hands. And I'm not against kneeling, but the key is really not in kneeling. It's nothing wrong with being on your face before God, but it's really not even about being on your face before God. As we think about how do we come in prayer, it's really about the response of our heart. I'm reminded of the scripture in 1 Samuel 16 that says, Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks... At the heart. Um, and Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, because it's the wellspring of life. So as we think about coming in prayer, we really want to talk about the position of our heart. How, how do we approach God? Because again, there's a right way and a wrong way. So let's, let's think about this for a minute. How many of you have a relationship with a bank? A relationship, probably most of us. We're not going to talk about good banks, bad banks, which bank you bank at. Um, but most of you have a relationship with the bank. So let's think about this for a moment. Let's say that you were going, that you're going to your bank and you have all of your paperwork in order, whatever work you want, whatever you need from the bank, you have all the paperwork in order and you go in to the bank teller, him or her, and you approach that bank teller with kindness, respect. You have all of your stuff in order. How many of you know that he or she, that bank teller is probably going to do what you want, right? Would you agree with that? I mean, they're going to respond whatever your need is. They're going to try to take care of that. Why? Because you approach them with kindness and respect and you kind of have everything in order. Let's say that you go to that same bank, to that same teller and you pull out a gun and you demand what you want. How many of you know you're probably not going to get what you want? You're probably going to get the opposite of what you want. Now you went to the same bank, you went to the same teller. The only difference is the approach that you had. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, even so, it's true in, 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 as it relates to prayer, is how we approach God in prayer really shapes the outcome. It really determines, defines the outcome of what we experience as we come to God in prayer. See, I believe that God's given us this um, privilege of connecting to a power source. Of, of bringing that of His greatness into our lives. And it's this privilege of prayer. But again, how we come is significant. Andrew Murray makes this statement. I have it in your notes. Andrew Murray is one of my favorite authors. Andrew Murray says, We must begin to believe that God, in the mystery of prayer, has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and can bring its power down to earth. Notice, he's talking about how we come. We must come believing in God. In this, in this mystery of prayer, that God's open this way. See, this is what prayer does. Prayer connects us to the Creator. Prayer connects us to a God who has no limits. Prayer brings us to a place where impossible stuff 
becomes possible. But again, there's a right way and a wrong way that we approach God in prayer. See, effective prayer is not so much about right words as it is right heart. And as we connect with our Heavenly Father through prayer, there's attitudes of heart or responses that position us to pray effectively. And I'm going to give you quickly two illustrations, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, that I believe illustrate for us the importance of our approach, the importance of how we come to God in prayer. So so you can jot these references down. You can read the stories later. But the first story comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And it's about a king. The king's name is Uzziah. King Uzziah. And the scripture says this about King Uzziah, that he was a man who passionately pursued God. So early on in his years as king, he's like passionate for God. He's doing everything right. But there comes this turning point in his life. Listen how the scripture records this. Second Chronicles 26, 16 says, But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, many of you know kings were not to go into the temple to offer incense in the process of worship. Who was who supposed to do that? The priest, and only the priest. It was not the role of the king. The king did not have authority to enter God's presence under the direction of the old covenant. The king couldn't like go launching, uh, marching into the presence of God in the temple to conduct worship. Only the priest was supposed to do that. And the scripture tells us, if you read the story, there was some 80 priests who tried to stop King Uzziah. Like, King, you don't want to do that. Like, like you don't have right to approach God in that fashion. That's not your role. And King Uzziah was like, hey, look at me. I'm the king. I'm the man. You not know who I am. So he goes into the temple to do what he wasn't supposed to do. Wrong approach. And the scripture says that he's struck with leprosy. And until the day he died, he was separated from people because he had leprosy all over his body. What wrong approach. Here's a king in his arrogance saying, I'll do what I want to do. And that's the way he approached God, struck with leprosy. Here's a second illustration. Acts 19. Acts 19, there's this group of men, um, they're known in Scripture as the seven sons of Sceva. And a group of Jewish men who kind of thought it was interesting that they would try to cast out demons. And as the Scripture tells the story, they've been watching Paul kind of do kind of some pretty amazing God stuff. And so they're out like trying to cast out demons. And as they would approach someone, they would say, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. In other words, they didn't have authentic relationship with God. They had no connection with God. They were trying to use the power of God for their personal gain. They were trying to use the power of God to elevate themselves. And so the scripture says, I think it's one of the greatest stories in the Bible. It's one of these that I wish we could like had on film so we could watch it and rewatch it. They go up to this man, there's seven of them, they go up to this man who has a demonic spirit, and they said, hey, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. And the demonic spirit speaking through the man says, hey, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who the heck are you? That's my paraphrase. <laughs> and the scripture says that these, this one man jumped on the seven and beat them up until, get this, they were, neck, they were naked and bleeding, and they went running out of the house. Wouldn't you like to see that on film? But here, my point is, 
These seven men, they, they had no authentic relationship with God. They had no connection with God. They were trying to use the power of God for their personal gain. What again, wrong approach. So how we how we come to God in prayer really matters. Matter of fact, Jesus addressing the religious leaders of the day had some pretty strong words to say. Because they had turned prayer into like a show. They had made prayer to God like this public performance. Like listen to how uh, well I can articulate. Listen to how smart I am. Listen to how, how solid my theology is. And they would just go on and on. And, and it's, it's interesting what Jesus had to say about how they were praying. How they were coming in prayer. Matthew chapter 6. Let's read this beginning with verse 8. Notice Jesus, I mean, uh, Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. I'm sorry. Notice what Jesus says, and when you pray. Notice he didn't say if you pray, right? Are you with me? He said, and when you pray. In other words, he's assuming that we're going to pray. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Notice verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their, their many words. Do not be like them, for your heavenly father knows what you need even before you ask him. And then Jesus goes on to say, this is how you should pray. And we're going to look at that next week. But I think from, from these words that Jesus gives, I think there's some things we can, we can discover, we can come to understand about this, this process of prayer and how we come. I think first is this, prayer is not a means of exalting ourselves. Prayer is a means of humbling ourselves. Prayer is not a means of saying, God, look how great I am. And that was, that was the problem with the religious, the church of the day. <laughs> They had turned prayer into this means of them drawing attention to themselves. And prayer is not about exalting ourselves. Prayer is really about us coming humble, coming, coming needy, if you will, coming bowed down before God. I think a second thing we can learn from what Jesus said here is that, that God honors prayer in secret, not prayer for the applause of others. Notice what Jesus said. He says, when you pray... Go into like a secret place. Go, go in and close the door. Because listen, prayer's not, prayer's not for others to hear. I'm not, I'm not praying to impress you. That's not the purpose of prayer. So God honors prayer and seek. I mean, Jesus said that God would reward that prayer and seek. I think a third thing we can discover about prayer from the words of Jesus is that effective prayer is not about volume. It's not about the amount of words we speak, but it's really about heart and faith. Heart response, coming in faith, believing. I mean, Jesus says, hey, don't be, don't be babbling like the pagans. I mean, they're just going on and on and on and on and on with all of these words. And they think by their many words, it's going to be effective. Jesus said, don't do that. And come with the right heart. Come in faith. So, so what's really clear, I think, from this passage here in Matthew 6, I think what's really clear is Jesus is saying, hey, it matters how you come. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And if you want to be effective in prayer, then what? You need to discover the right way, right? 
makes sense, does. And so, so how do we come, as I kind of pull all this together this morning, I want to give you five ways that I believe that we are to come in prayer. I'm going to do this really quick. First, you want to come humbly. Come humbly. Get, get this. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let, let me say it a different way. God stands against the proud. In other words, if you're coming in arrogance and prayer, if you're approaching God in arrogance and prayer, you're wasting your time and you're wasting your words. Because the scripture says that God opposes that individual. But he gives grace. He gives favor. He, he pours out to those who, who come humbly. The scripture there in 1 Peter 5 goes on to read like this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up. In due time. In Luke 18, there's an interesting story that Jesus tells. A parable about two men. One's a a Pharisee, a a religious leader. And the other is tax collector. So the Pharisee kind of represents religion of the day. The tax collector represents a man who's a sinner. And they come to the temple and they're praying. And, And Jesus, in this story says the Pharisee stood up, get this, and this is exactly how the scripture says, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Okay, God, look at all I've done for you. I'm so holy and righteous. Paid my tithe. Oh, I fasted three times this week. Um, Look at me, God, look at all that I've done. It was kind of that kind of prayer. And he was praying it really loud because he wanted everyone else to hear how holy he was. And then there was this tax collector, as Jesus tells the story, he's over in the corner and he he doesn't even look up to heaven. Scripture just says he beats his breast and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Interesting. This is how Jesus ends the story. He says it was the tax collector who went home justified, not the religious leader. God exalts the humble. He stands against the proud. So as we come in prayer, first we want to come humbly. So what does that look like? I think it looks like this. I think it looks like we we are fully aware that God's the creator and we're the created. Let's start there. That he's the one who's without limits and we're the limited one. I think coming humbly means this. We come with awareness of our great need of God. We come aware that without God, we're in trouble, right? We, I think coming humbly means this. I, I come taking ownership of my sin and I cry out for God's mercy. Understanding that left to myself, I am just like in a world of mess. I think that's what it looks like to come humbly. So first... And I think maybe of greatest significance, when we come in prayer, we don't come arrogantly. We come humbly. I think, secondly, we want to we come thankfully. We want to express our gratitude. Let me ask you a question. If someone comes to you with a need, let's say it's your child or your grandchild or maybe a peer, are you more likely to respond to whining or to gratitude? So think about it. your child comes to you. Um, I know it probably doesn't happen in your home, but every once in a while in our home, our kids whine. 
You probably never experienced that as a parent, but we do. Um, but it, let's say your child comes. Are you more likely to respond if they come with like the, this unbelievable attitude of gratitude, so grateful for you being the wonderful parent that you are, um, like laying it on there? Are you more likely to respond to that or to whining? Come on, help me out. Gratitude wins every time, doesn't it? Well, you respond to gratitude much more so than you do whining. And I think it's really the same with our Heavenly Father. What he, His heart is drawn to gratitude. His heart is drawn to thanksgiving. Listen, every one of us this morning have so much to be grateful for. It's not that you don't have challenges. It's not that you don't have difficulties. I have those too. But in the midst of the challenge, I want to tell you I'm a blessed man. And I don't know about your story, but I would say you're a blessed man or woman as well. God's brought his goodness to you. Listen, we got a lot to give thanks for. So as we come in prayer, what we, we come, we come thankfully. Matter of fact, listen to what Paul wrote, Philippians 4, 6. It's on the screen. So let's read this together. <laughs> By faith, it's on the screen. Maybe not. Let me just read it for you. Philippians 4, 6 reads like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, get this, with thanksgiving. We bring our petitions, what? With thanksgiving. Present your request unto God. Psalm 104 reads like this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So we come, when we come in prayer, we come with an attitude of gratitude. So we come humbly, we, we, we come thankfully. I think thirdly, we come authentically. Authentically. In other words, keep it real. If you read throughout the Gospels, you'll discover that Jesus was constantly in conflict with the religious leaders of the day. Remember, I think it's interesting that Jesus had more condemning words to say for the church of the day than he did for the sinners. Really, check it out. There's more words of correction and direction for the religious leaders of the day than there was for sinners. I mean, it's not even close. At one point, actually several points, Jesus calls these religious leaders hypocrites. And that's a pretty bold statement. He said, you bunch of hypocrites. Why? Because they were not authentic. They were, they were not real. They were fake. They were phonies. Again, they would stand in the synagogue and they would pray really loud so everyone would like think, wow, you're great. It was all about them. They were not authentic. They were not real. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 23, 27. He's addressing the, the church of the day, the religious leaders. Listen to what he said. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear as as people of righteousness, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. How many of you would agree with me? Those are pretty strong words. What? Because they had made this whole show, they had made this whole uh, performance thing out of prayer. Their prayers were, were full of words, but they were, they were empty. They were not, again, they were not authentic. 
So as you come in prayer, man, keep it real. Just be yourself. Talk, talk with God like you would a friend. Now, we live in this, this tension. and the, the tension is, like, I am a friend of God. And God is like uh, my best friend. That, that's one side of the spectrum. Here's the other side of the spectrum. God is holy and mighty and awesome. So we're living in that tension of God's my best friend. Whoa, but whoa, look at him. Well, he's holy. He's not my buddy in the sky. He's not the big guy in the sky. He is the holy, awesome, sovereign God. He's my friend, but he's also an awesome God. So that that creates, I think, this tension in prayer. But I would encourage you, keep it authentic. Keep Keep it real. Listen, it's not about how articulate you can pray. Remember, I would even say this. Listen, God's not impressed with your words. He's not impressed with your vocabulary. There's nothing wrong with with praying prayers that have lots of words. But he's not impressed. Matter of fact, he said to the religious leaders, man, they just keep babbling on and on and on. And it's empty. Why? They were not authentic. So as we come and pray, we want to come authentically. We want to, we want to keep it real. Not only do we want to come authentically, but we also want to come persistently. Don't give up. Could it be, could it be that we stop praying when breakthrough is just around the corner? Could it be? That it's not the second time or the third time, but the seventh time that you make the petition that breakthrough comes. But you quit too early. As we come in prayer, we want to come persistently. My fact, interesting, in Luke 18.1, Luke 18.1, Jesus said these words. As he was speaking to the disciples, I want to teach you how you should always pray and never give up. Always pray. Catch this. Always pray and not give up. Never give up. And he goes on to tell this parable. You can read it. Luke 18. Parable of a of a widow who's really insignificant. I mean, like she is the lowest of low. She's a nobody. No significance to the ruler. Yet she has a problem. She comes to this ruler, a person of authority, and she wants this ruler to give her justice against her adversary. So she comes before the ruler, and the ruler says, "Like I don't have time for you. Get out. Get out of my. Get out of my presence." The next day, she comes back with the same request. He ignores her. The next day, she comes back with the same request. And the next day she comes back with the same request. And the next day she comes back and she keeps coming and coming and coming. And and finally the ruler says, you know, I don't give a flip about this woman. My paraphrase, I don't give a flip about this woman, but she's about to wear me out. I'm going to give her justice. And it's interesting that Jesus would use that story to illustrate to us the persistence of prayer. That we should pray and never give up. Now, I... I don't know, folks, I, I, I don't know why God doesn't answer our prayers the first time or the second time or the third time or the tenth time. I, I, I don't have the answer to that. But what I do know is that Jesus said we should pray and never give up. That's what I know. So we, we come persistently. 
Not only do we want to come persistent, we also want to come confidently. We want, we want to come fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. We, we come with confidence because not, not only is God able, but He loves us outrageously and He's invited us. This is amazing. He's invited us to come and ask of Him. And a couple months ago, I was traveling out of country. I was on a mission trip in Belize and I was coming back, and if you've ever traveled out of country, um, you know, coming back into country, it can at times be quite a process to reenter. Uh, you have to go through the customs process. And so I flew back into Miami, um, and I'm, you know, I'm approaching the customs booth. And I, as I approach the customs booth, I, I approach um, the booth with confidence. Like, I, I didn't approach the booth wondering, oh my goodness, I wonder if they're going to let me back in the States. <laughs> like, you know, I, you know, have I done something? Are they not going to let me in? I, it's not like I was all anxious and stressed about the customs booth. No, I just marched right up to the customs booth, handed them my passport. They stamped it and moved me right on through. Now, let me tell you why I could approach the customs booth with confidence. Two reasons. First, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. And the second is, is I had a passport. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, wow, that is the same. I can come to the throne of God with confidence first because I'm a citizen of the kingdom. And you are the same. What it gives you privilege, it gives you right. Why? Because you're a citizen of the most high kingdom, the most high God. And secondly, you have a passport. What's our passport? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. When I come to the Father in prayer, I don't come in my own works, my own ability, my own word. Listen, if it was dependent on me, I'm in trouble. And if it's dependent on you, we're in trouble, right? But the good news is it doesn't depend on us. I don't come to God based on my word. I come based on the finished work of the cross. That is my passport. That's your passport. Why? So then we can come confidently. Why? Because it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about what God has provided for us. He's made the way. Therefore, I can come I can come confidently. Because it's about God's invitation. And it's about His provision. So we come confidently because God's invited. But we also come confidently because of God's power. Because of His ability. It's a great story in Romans chapter 4. You can check it out later. But Paul writing of Abraham and Sarah. Talking about the child of the promise. God had given Abraham a promise, the promise of a son that would be his offspring, that would carry forth the, the that would receive the blessing of God and carry forth Abraham's seed. And the challenge is, is that their biological clock was like ticking. Scripture says that Abraham was a hundred years old, his body was as good as dead, and that Sarah's womb was dead. Rather than Getting ready for a nursery, setting up a nursery. They were actually on their way to the nursing home. That's the picture. Yeah, get this. This is what the scripture says. That Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, but he did not waver through unbelief. He was fully persuaded. I love that phrase. He was fully persuaded that God was able to do what God had promised. In other words, that God had the power to do what God had promised. And because he was fully persuaded there came life in a dead womb and and they were blessed with Isaac the son of the promise the 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 possible I mean the impossible happened where there was no possibility of life there came 
there came life. Why? By the power of God. So we come confidently. Why? Because God's able. Now Luke one thirty seven says all things are possible with God. And God's power available for us. Well, we come confidently because we know what? We know God is God is able. In James 1, 6, the scripture says, when we, when we ask in prayer, we, we must believe. We don't want to doubt. It goes on to say, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. So when we come in prayer, well, we want to come confidently, fully persuaded, full of faith, knowing this, that God is able. He's invited us. But he's also able to perform that of his work in our lives. Listen, folks, God's, God's given us the privilege of prayer. He's given us this means that we can, we can access his presence and we can receive his power for the needs and challenges of our lives. Now, I believe that God de- desires to reveal his grace, to reveal his power, to reveal his presence in the midst of our lives. And he does it how? Through the avenue of prayer. But as we come in prayer, as we approach God in prayer, Listen, how we come really matters. We come humbly. We come thankfully. We come authentically. We come persistently. And and we come confidently. I want to leave you this morning with a quote from Mark Batterson's book, The Circle Maker. He says it so well. He says, the viability of our prayers is not contingent of on scrambling the 26 letters of the English alphabet into the right combination like abracadabra. God already knows the last punctuation mark before we announce the first syllable. The viability of our prayers has more to do with intensity than vocabulary. The viability of our prayers, folks, is really about our heart response. It's about how we approach God in prayer. May our approach to God open our lives to that of God's greatness. That He can bring His kingdom present in our lives and in our situations. Now, I believe that God wants to do that. He wants to bring the fullness of all that He is and all that He has resident in your life. That's why He's given us this avenue of prayer. So this morning, let's come humbly. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank You today. For the wonder of your provision. God, that that in your creative order, you said, hey, I'm going to create this avenue of prayer so that my creation that I love can connect with me. So that they can ask of me. God, we thank you this morning for the privilege, Lord, it truly is the privilege of prayer. Holy Spirit, my, my prayer today is that individuals' understanding has been expanded about how important it is that we approach That we approach prayer with a right heart attitude, with a right response. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us take, Lord, these very truths, these very principles, and begin to build them into our lives. Lord, may it shape the very process of how we pray. And Lord, this is what I believe, God, because again, it's, it's the truth revealed in your word. As we come humbly, as we come authentically, as we come confidently, God, you're going to bring your greatness. You're going to bring your greatness and you're going to manifest it in our lives. 
Lord, as we simply Lord, take you at your word, as we simply speak out your promises, God, you're going to bring your fullness in our lives. And so, Lord, we move forward from this service today in expectation. In expectation. Because you're a good God. And you want to bring your goodness right in the middle of our lives. And we thank you for that today. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.